1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, why whales, wherever you are. Uh, so we've got a, another really interesting, uh, podcast for you today. Um, and, and again, we're jumping back into blockchain and crypto. Uh, we did some hardware stuff yesterday. Stefan, you really missed out on that one. Uh, but we're here with Omnia and the two founders of this and no, your screens are fine. They, they did wear different color shirts specifically to help you out. We do have two twins. And, and so, uh, I'm really excited to kind of understand the development cycles of what they're doing. Stefan, have you played around, uh, to, a little bit with all this? I haven't played-
2: Played with it yet but you know any infrastructure type stuff i love that right i think just really that like base layer of like how do we make crypto better faster and just more awesome so super excited to learn more about them
1: yeah. I mean, it's, and it really says a lot that we want that again, the foundations of what we're doing. So before we get going with that, um, uh, Christian, let's, let's go ahead and start with you. So, so, you know, how did, how did you, and, and I hope that there's two different stories that we have here, but you know, what, what, what started your web three journey?
3: So my, my journey to web three started a long time ago since 2013, I think, uh, me and alex wanted to buy an ASIC miner in one flat room didn't know the didn't uh, know the noise behind the the miner so uh, it's a better thing that we didn't do that <laughs> but this is the point that we get involved in the in the crypto uh, and actually me and alex are very passionate about uh, about crypto and cryptography behind it so in a more technical view so pretty much from 2013 we are in the, the basis of of the cryptography learning uh, the technical side of it, but um, from 2016 we started to get more uh, more deeper understanding understanding the technical uses beyond uh, beyond that to the to the business side. So we start investing a bit, uh, starting to see how the miners work. We actually had some some miners customizing some some firmers and and so on. And from 2020 uh, we started to to work for different projects in DeFi uh, in the privacy. And yeah, so th- this is the story how we we got involved in the Web three.
1: So you, when when we're talking about you know again jumping into there's a variety of things you touched you know do you have any formal training or is this just you you started kind of playing around?
3: Uh, yeah, we have a formal training. Myself, I have a PhD in cryptography. Uh, okay. And Alex also has has a, a master thesis on that. So yeah, we got some formal. Uh, let's say, background, but the most important is the experience, in my view, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll count a PhD experience. That's
2: definitely.
1: I, I think we'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> experience and, and that. So again, and, and the reason we ask that is is to understand. You know, people come at it from very different perspectives. Um, you know, and and so understanding. You know, the formal training you have generally, not always, will will you know kind of influence uh, your thinking in and around the space. Alexander, or, you know what? Let's again. Uh, you know, you're probably a, a little different, but again, you guys share a very similar path here. Yeah, today.
4: actually, we shared a lot of the path of the career path. So basically, starting from we have military background, so we did both military high school and uh, let's say military technical academy. The university was a military one, specialized in let's say cybersecurity for national defense and so on. So basically, uh, until we graduated, we work uh, like together in the same class, in were in the same room most of the time. So this was very helpful because. We can, let's say, uh, think beforehand what other one is thinking, what other one is going to do. So we have like this thinking without even uh, speaking. It's really cool. It's like one of the benefits of having a twin brother. But but now back to the formal trading. Yes, we we shared a lot of the training background. So we did uh, the university, the bachelor's degree at the Military Technical Academy. We also did the master's thesis uh, at the same university, uh, still in cybersecurity. Then Christy focused more on, let's say, uh, academia part with his PhD in cryptography. But I switched more to, let's say, the management part. I was involved into some management courses, um, how to uh, to un- better understand how we can grow through innovation. I applied for some, let's say, inside uh, programs to understand more about critical thinking and how can you actually apply those methods to, to innovate and understand what customers really want to, to do. So I think this sums up uh, most of our backgrounds we shared. Uh, then at some point we split it when uh, I, uh, I joined this company where I uh, work for, let's say, an identity solution using blockchain technology. Uh, I also have a pending patent for this, uh, for this solution. Uh, and at this point, I think Christian uh, has joined another project in DeFi uh, and he worked more, let's say, on the cryptographic part. How can it be used for privacy in those uh, those specific uh, projects? But I will give him the mic, let's say, to expand that story.
3: Yeah, thank you for passing the mic. So we discovered uh, some things working for a company named uh, now it's it's named block block wallet. they have this privacy approach on on uh, on chain which is very cool but we realized at some point that we need to to figure out all the all the privacy end-to- end because uh, you'll need to have off-chain privacy and also on-chain privacy so at that point last year we discovered that in the space there are some gaps and then we started to to work uh, let's say on the features of the omnia
1: so what was the what was the it, it, before we get into Omnio again what was the kind of aha moment or the point at which you guys were like we have to start attacking this problem What what was the catalyst of that
3: so i think the catalyst is, is um again behind the cryptography because because most of the primitives and the things that are on a the theoretical side are, are to achieve privacy and security and with our background in, in cybersecurity and so on uh, we uh, always had this uh, let's say vision about making uh, things private and secure and at some point we realized that a lot of ideas that we had in the past actually had been uh, let's say implemented by other teams uh, around the world and we realized at some point that we have some good uh, let's say vision about the projects and how the things are going to to spin off and we thought that we should uh, do a, a, a nice thing a nice thing uh, me and alex so this is when we realize that we need to do something
1: that's fabulous i love it um so so let's just dive right into it and 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 get into it uh so omnia Give, give us the, the elevator pitch, and then we want to really dive in, and, and, and I think you promised some screen sharing for us. Yeah, of
3: course. So uh, as a short uh, pitch deck or presentation of the pitch deck is, is um, so we discovered two big problems, and one of that uh, is the fact that the blockchain is supposed to be decentralized. This is the core thesis about the blockchain, but in, in reality, there are some central points of failure uh, in the ecosystem, which is the, the accessing points. For example, we most of the application rely on some entry points, central points to access the blockchain. And uh, one example of that is in Fura uh, which has this uh, a lots of servers around the world which of, uh, which offers like for 60% of the Ethereum application the accessing to to the blockchain by reading and writing. And this is one problem that we discovered and we are solving. And uh, another problem that we discovered is the fact that uh, almost all the people goes to these privacy coins such as Monero, Tornado Cash or Zcash and assume that they have privacy but in fact they only hide recipient and amounts but if the node provider is central they can map your IP address with your on-chain addresses and make correlation based on your behavior and so on that and even make uh, let's say identification even that you're using these privacy coins. So this is the the pitch of the, of
1: the Omnia. I, I saw a demo not too long ago that, that is, uh, not a, they're not public yet or, or sharing, but he was scrolling through LinkedIn and the plugin was automatically linking wallet addresses to LinkedIn profiles. Um, and so I'm sure that that's exactly, exactly what you guys are, are, are discussing, that it is public and people will figure out ways to tie those to real people.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah, and actually, we've we, we seen some some things which are not very good, like kidnapping and so on, because someone revealed the IP addresses and so on. And we really think that those problems need to be solved in the full end-to-end approach, not in a segment way that it's currently approached.
2: Is it an L1 protocol, or does it live on something else? But let's maybe start there. Just give us credit. How
3: does it actually work? So um, it's not a layer one. We serve the layer ones. Uh, We are just a protocol implemented in a decentralized way. Uh, For example, we don't rely on a single, let's say, uh, node or server to access the blockchain. We let people to onboard their nodes and actually pay them for that. So we covered also this problem because in the past, you don't have any incentive to share your fully synced node. And now you can even earn rewards by uh, onboarding your node. So, we are not a layer one, but we are serving multiple layers one. We so already that's have more the Infura replacement. Exactly, but in a more decentralized approach.
2: Right. Okay. Awesome. And, and so, how are you doing it more decentralized than Infura is doing? Like, what's the?
3: How does the structure actually end up working out there? So right now, Infura has uh, servers around the world in different uh, central providers. And for example, last year in 8th of December, I think uh, uh, US region went down on Amazon web servers. And because of that, Infura went down. And after that, some decentralized exchanges went down. And this is uh, a thing that wasn't supposed to happen. And our our protocol, in fact, um, uh, aggregates more node providers from the world, from the people that are willing to put up their nodes to work and maybe servers from uh, their own home, from their own data center. Even for example, we are we we are looking for making a partnership with Avado. If they have that little uh, service, we I've seen the, the podcast with you guys. Yeah, uh, so though, yeah, he's a good dude. I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so th- this is the approach that we are having, and even for example, in Fura. Can uh, couple their nodes to our infrastructure to have a maximization of resources while staying uh, without using them. Okay, awesome.
1: So, if it can run on, a, if it can run on a Navara, it, it's a very low power, low low data approach. Uh,
4: well, yes. Th- so, please, Alex. Yeah, I wanted to uh, join a bit for more technical details, let say, because there are two different things here. So one are the resources, as Christian has explained, the one who are providing the nodes. For example, if you run a uh, Binance Smart Chain node and you want to uh, share that node and earn rewards, you can do that. But besides doing, uh, let's say, a decentralization of the access, we are also providing the privacy. And this is achieved by let's say, obfuscating the traffic, uh, uh, putting it through a mixnet, like uh, something similar to Tor, but there are some differences here that enhance, let's say, the security and the privacy. So that the second component is a privacy layer, and this is very lightweight. It can also be run on that specific, uh, let's say, hardware component. Okay, and so... So
2: you do like an onion routing type approach where each node forwards to another node, and it kind of like uh, it routes that way, and then it accesses the blockchain, or like it's it works differently.
4: The flow the flow is correct, but there are some details that say in regards to the onion routing. So uh, the problem with Tor is that it has like almost twenty five of the nodes compromised, and because of its onion routing, let's say uh, structure, you can actually correlate traffic in and out uh, the network. So what Mixnets do is basically use the same, uh, let's say, approach with hops, only that you don't forward all the traffic th- through the same, uh, let's say, path. You don't have established a session and all the traffic goes to the same path. But actually, you, you uh, chop down into smaller packets, you route them in a random, let's say, path, and you also introduce like delay in timings. So actually, uh, this is compensated with extra decoy traffic, and makes the system like uh, very uh, obfuscated. If you look at the in and out of the network, you can no longer correlate the bytes that are going, let's say, on a timing uh, time frame or something like that. So it's more like an enhanced solution of how to achieve like this privacy at the network level. And there are some quite good projects out there that also chase this.
2: That's really interesting. Okay. So basically you end up padding the packages so they all like have roughly the same size, et cetera, and you make them a lot more anonymous. And so okay. So help me understand this. So are you more so all of this does not happen on chain, obviously, right? This is an off-chain implementation and your reward system. Interesting. Okay. So you fix the Tor problem where just no one has an incentive of actually running good nodes because why would you bother? You're not getting paid anything. So in your case, you're getting paid for running the nodes, and therefore you will end up having a lot more nodes and you will end up being a lot more private than Tor would be.
4: Yeah, and at the same time helps with the let's say decentralization of the existing chains. So this applies also for Ethereum nodes, Bitcoin nodes, and so on.
2: Wait, so does it work for traditional, like like traditional Tor type browsing as well? Can I just browse the internet through your through your network?
4: Or it's really just to access blockchains? Well, it would be more tailored to access blockchain, but I think I'll better leave the word for, for Christian. I know he for sure wants to say something on this subject with the other partners that are chasing this part.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. So actually the Mixnet technology allows you to do uh, the web browsing, even coupling some applications to it. So you can use it. This is the short answer. The longer answer is that we rely and actually use that only in the blockchain uh, specific case. But for example, we have this uh, company named Nim Technologies, and they implement a very good solution with MixNets, and it's very generic. And we actually plan to use it in the bootstrap phase, so we can have a shorter time to to market to ship our products. And um, yeah, the short the short response is that you can use it in every application that you want to to do. That's pretty awesome. huh? So it's kind
2: of, yeah, interesting. So, okay, it's basically a VPN replacement at the same time then as well. So you kind of compete in a whole bunch of different markets potentially. And really, you're using the economic benefits of blockchain to some extent more than the actual blockchain tech. You're building that ecosystem, that community through blockchain, through the reward system. And then you have like a really cool tech implementation on the privacy side.
4: Yes. Yeah, so it's mostly How like a off-chain. You... Into...
1: <laughs> I love, I love that Stefan gives us a long thing and the answer is yeah we do all. that. <laughs> Tell you what but to to, to get this cuz we're going right. to have to go through it so anyone listening Jay, on audio yeah it. anyone listening on audio I'm going to I'm going to apologize we're going to be back in. Uh Alexander or Christian let's 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 go ahead and, and uh fire up the screen share cuz I think we just need to see yes. uh, and understand we've done a good job of of dancing around this um but but you absolutely have my attention right now. This is a huge problem in not only in blockchain um but really you know i mean uh, again onerous uh bad actors whether they're they're nation states or or just again uh black hats uh, around the world yeah and i'm suddenly terrified that in any way shape or form you know my IP address
4: yeah we actually well, did the uh, we released some findings uh, recently with how you can find the ip address uh, of an ethereum address only by dropping an nft but Maybe we can talk about this uh, later. Oh, God. <laughs> You're in trouble, Jay.
1: <laughs> yes, please. All right. Yes. No, th- that just ended my NFC collections. Um, please. Yeah, sure.
3: So we have uh, our MVP. It's, it's, uh, it's live and it's free. For now, anyone can use it. And it's very simple uh, in terms of, let's say, retail users. They have the option to register with the notes. We are working very hard on that. But... Uh, the feature to generate an endpoint and securely access the blockchain, it's already implemented and ready to go. And the flow, it, it's pretty simple. You just need to collect your Web3 wallet. Uh, any Web3 wallet that is injected in your browser works. So um, the friction is it, it's zero, is the same flow. And we have support now for Bitcoin, Binance and Ethereum. And we are working very hard to adopt other, other chains and for example if i go for binance uh, mainnet uh, now it's capped at 25 requests per second and 100k per request per day because it's free but usually you would have the option to customize your subscription with how many days you want to be active and so on the payment will be in, in our token in stablecoin or even in uh, in fiat by paying with card uh, you will sign for that transaction to pay and actually now the link is, is is generated and this is the endpoint where an application should send requests to, to read and write data in a private and fail-proof manner. And for the tech guys uh, that know what to do with this link because they build application, they can copy it and use it or use it, for example, in MetaMask here as add a network. But we, we thought that there are some people that are uh, not, not, not so, uh, let's say, technical, and we have this uh, option to switch the network. You have a pop-up from uh, from the Web3 wallet, and you can see here the URL is the same that with the one that was generated just a few seconds ago. You approve and switch the network, and from this moment uh, on, you can see here that the Web3 wallet uses our endpoints, and we can confirm that in a minute. Here, yeah, we can see that it's our endpoint, and all the transactions that are being made right now with the Web3 wallet goes through this secure anonymous network and in a fail-proof manner. So it's that simple.
1: Wow.
2: That's
3: super cool. Hey, actually,
2: maybe, for, for especially for the people that, listen that are like less technically inclined, can you explain what this actually, like, what does the RPC do, right? Like, what is the infrastructure replacing? Like, what is, like, the piece of the puzzle? Can you give us, like, a high-level overview of to how they work? That way, really, anyone understands, like, why this is actually really cool?
3: Yeah, so it, it's really cool because it's actually, like, like, an entry point to the blockchain. And now, you, if you are using this and you point this door to the blockchain. It's implemented in a such a way that uh, it's never supposed to be to go down because it is centralized in the same way that Ethereum works right now or other chains. And in the same way, we have the privacy, uh, say, such as uh, no one can see your requests or the transaction that you are making make from your wallet to to another wallet and so on. So, okay, just to be clear, um, so. The RPC based. So when I when I submit
2: a transaction on MetaMask, the transaction doesn't go straight from my computer to the blockchain. It goes from my computer to then you, and then you effectively submit it to the blockchain on my behalf in an anonymous fashion. Is that correct to say?
3: Uh, yeah, but we actually the the state of the privacy and the private thing. It's more to the edge of computing, so it's more close to your wallet rather than ours so basically the RPC as you already said it's needed because the transaction when it's sent for example here from the from the web3 wallet uh, it's sent to a provider and okay actually the privacy starts from the moment when you pressed sign the transaction because you are using our secure network and from that moment and on you do not do not need to care about the privacy anymore because it goes through this mixnet uh, layer which achieves this privacy.
2: And when you're saying uh, privacy, I... you mean my IP won't be connected to the wallet, right? Obviously, the transaction itself will still be on the blockchain in public. It's just that connection between my device that is submitting the transaction and then actually what ends up on chains. And so you're saying like somebody like Infura I can easily tell who I am because of exactly that. And you're solving that problem and effectively disconnecting the two.
3: That's, that's yeah, very correct, right. and, and also, I, uh, I, I always, it's not only the IP address, sorry, Alex, it's not only the IP addresses, uh, it's also the behavior, because you may use, uh, uh, let's say, a VPN, but if the behavior is the same, Infra can still map your addresses. So it's not only the IP address.
2: Okay, awesome. But yeah, me, that's super interesting. Let,
3: yeah, let me jump a bit uh, here because
4: there are some more interesting facts that are undergoing and under development under development, and maybe they are interesting to also let's say put on the table. So you are perfectly right, right? So basically, using our solution, we decouple your wallet, let's say, to the let's from the IP address, which also decouples from the behavior. But uh, you mentioned very, uh, let's say, uh, you put it very well, that the transaction is still out there in the blockchain because the blockchain is public, right? But as you probably know, there are some uh, some things called uh, private mempools, and Flashbots is a great project that implements that. So we are now in a process of integrating private mempools, and what this enables, it enables front-running protection for, let's say, traders, that submit transactions to ethereum for example so basically when you generate an endpoint using omnia you can check a box and say enable front running protection and what we do when a transaction is submitted to that endpoint and we know that it's, is, a, uh, let's say, uh, enabled front-running protection, we route that transaction to a private mempool so that it remains private until it's mined. Of course, there is a subject of increasing the guest price so that it has we have more priority into the blocks. But this is something that we plan to do like a managed service. So basically, you pay extra uh, for, let's say, more premium subscription, we take care of let's say making bundles with some extra transactions that pay more fees to the miners so that you know for sure that every transaction that you uh, send to this endpoint will, ha- will have high priority and will no longer be in a public mempool that is broadcasted by all the net- all the nodes in that specific network so this is also like something that we are building on top of that and we are looking at more ways on how to expand the privacy until the transaction is mine, because after it's put into a block you can no longer let's say hide it it's already there but up to that point we try to obtain that privacy end to end
2: awesome and I, I mean one of the problems with all of these is obviously the scalability right even within Infura, like half the time when your blockchain seems to be dead what, like whatever if i'm on bsc and it seems down like half the time it's just the rpc is down and it's not actually the blockchain so how do you guys solve the scalability concerns? Because obviously one of the problems is going to end up being that if you're an AWS, you just scale up your instances, you won't be able to really do that. I guess, well, I guess you can do a mix. you could have some AWS, et cetera, right I guess. But so how, how do you see that? How do you keep this really, really highly scalable and highly available?:
4: Yeah, I think this is very uh, an important question, uh, and it's really a, a balance between being uh, decentralized from day one and achieving scalability. So I think this was a topic that also Moxie, I think the founder of Signal uh, had had reached at some point, is that if you want to have, uh, you want agility, you need to be, you don't have to uh, strive for decentralization right from day one. And this is actually what we are doing right now. So the MVP uh, uh, that is already live, the nodes are managed by us, and we are already starting to uh, reach out to the community. We see interest in people joining with their nodes but we have backup nodes into the cloud a multi cloud strategy actually and also in our own data center so as uh, as soon as we also start onboarding more and more people to balance like the pool of resources we don't want to fully discard all the backup nodes we'll still maintaining that uh, maintaining until we see that there is a specific let's say threshold in the resources that have joined the pool and we want to make sure that at that point they have like this stake the skin in the game to maintain the servers available so if you have a node and you want to join in omnia as a resource to earn rewards you'll have to stake a specific uh, amount of tokens and why you, you need to do that there are two reasons one is security because if you misbehave uh you get slash so you lose all your stake if you return bad data to the users it's an entire discussion here we can expand but the the second one is that you need to consistently met the performance requirements that you promised you will deliver so basically before joining you say i will deliver like 100 requests per second uh, and i will be uptime 99.99% and if you do not consistently meet met uh, meet that specific uh, let's say target your uh, rewards will get dec- decreased more and more and after a specific threshold, your stake will get slashed. So you'll have you have the skin in the game and an incentive to, uh, let's say, invest and make sure that the resources that you are putting up into the ecosystem, they are uh, available and they will still be available in case some, let's say, uh, things happen. So this is the way that we, at least we designed so far, uh, these requirements.
2: Awesome. Jay, I'll bounce it back to
1: you.
2: I'm sure you've got loads of other questions Yeah, I keep, get too lost. Well, I, I, I
1: awesome do. Tech. So, so I, yeah. yeah, so I, I'm going to bring, in, we're going to pull back from the tech a little bit. So, so this is a, you know, this is a big thing. This is, you know, uh, obviously for a user, that's one thing, um, you know, and I'm sure there's lots of, you know, very, you know, privacy centered users, but, but is, is this scalable for exchanges and some of the larger DEXs to be able to use?
3: Yes, it is because actually we, what we have planned on the roadmap is to have specific uh, pools of, of nodes. For example, if you want to have great connections with like a few milliseconds of delays when accessing the blockchain, we can give you that because we can rearrange or use only a specific pool of, of nodes from your region because it makes no point to access the servers from China if you are in Europe or each or something like that so we'll have at some point special pools for people to access or for companies to access uh, the blockchain in their most closest region with high ability on on the resources
1: Who, who's uh have you guys taken funding yet or is this something you just built
3: uh we already funded we almost closed uh the round uh we have uh, a total raise of, of $3.4 um, And our lead in on, va- on what value? valuation of
1: on what valuation?
3: $25 million valuation post money. Um, and right now we are preparing for lunch and preparing things to, to be wrapped up. We wanted to deliver first the product to, to ship it and to people actually to use it and then having the public public launch. Uh, with all the tamtam tum and, and so on. But this is how we, we thought it would be better to ship the product first and to prove it and then having the, let's say, the launch party.
1: No, I, I I absolutely love that you guys have put it out there. You're letting people play with it. Clearly you guys are getting a lot of data and, and 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 messing around on the back end to to improve it. So there's a couple points that you said and and it it goes a little bit against the decentralized part of it. So you do have control over a few things. You talk about how you're securing this because clearly <clears throat> I don't need to tell you guys about, you know, the this how valuable this is to web three to have privacy or, or from bad actors and whatnot how how is the entire encompassing secured is it all proof of stake or are you guys doing any other protocols to kind of encapsulate uh and, and keep keep your end safe
3: alex i think you can have the mic Yeah, sure. So basically, the
4: first one is, as mentioned before, the staking to join. Uh, The second one is have audits for all the smart contracts that are involved and that that are transited at some point with, let's say, uh, cryptocurrencies and so on. We also uh, plan to organize bug bounties, so reward uh, white hat hackers that help us improve uh, beforehand, so with responsible disclosure uh, and so on but i think one of the the most important things here uh, is the part when you return bad data to the let's say users this was the second point that i mentioned earlier so basically what we uh implement and plan to uh, finish and wrap it in the protocol it's have like this node integrity protocol so we will mirror requests so such that in a way uh when at some random times let's say and mirroring like say this uh, feature we'll make sure that if a node returns like some specific data to a user we want to make sure that that data has already been agreed by consensus so by mirroring the request to other nodes in the pool to make sure that the data is not corrupt so you are not returning like uh, uh, a bad balance from an account you return like bad address from a smart contract or anything else we implement this node integrity protocol such that every request we make sure in a statistical way of course that the data is correct and already agreed by the uh, the network consensus
1: Stefan back to
3: you. <laughs> no that's super cool Wait, by the way how many layers do you round through there are 3 layers in the mixnet and basically those three layers can be uh, at highest there are 3 columns but the columns can be as high as i don't know maybe thousands of nodes so the randomness is between those three three layers at each time you have a connection or sending packets there will be a different route between those three so those three uh layers why do both the privacy
2: and the infura replacement at once right because i I don't know i'm a big fan of focus and it feels like you're trying to solve several problems at once like how come you decided to go with both at once versus just starting the decentralization the decentralized architecture and then layering privacy on top of that like i'm curious like the decision making there like why'd you go with doing both at the same time or i guess no it's not default because you could still do the way around yeah why'd you go with that i'm curious
3: Actually we started first the privacy thing because we discovered the gap in the privacy and at some point we realized that most of the application rely on a central entity and because th- th- this is a central entity they can have even more power in uh, let's say finding out about the transaction and so on and we thought we view it from one angle and see that we need to implement this off chain privacy but in the same time we thought with the, with the critical thinking okay let's 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 move a bit with a new angle and see it, see it if we can do something more on top of that and at the moment we, we realized that even the central nodes uh, are a big problem itself with the privacy because they you know all the time all the information uh we decided to make them together and solving two problems at once but in fact, there is one single problem that we are solving is accessing in a fail-proof manner.
2: Uh, so I it's a decentralization just... aspect. Yeah, that makes sense. And so by doing the decentralization, you then kind of by default with obviously your routing on top of it, like solve a lot of the problem. Yeah, that's cool.
4: Yeah, I will add one one thing. It's more like an opportunity that, rather than chasing two rabbits here. So basically, if we are still uh, chasing this infrastructure, building infrastructure, we have like this basic concept from the security. If you want security, you make it by design. You don't add it at a, a later point. You, you should enable it right from the start. So this is basically more like decentralizing with the privacy and security by design. And thus the focus on privacy because we, we discovered that there is a real pain here. And we should use it like the main uh, differentiator between our competitors because there are uh, other projects as well that try to decentralize access to the blockchain but we we take the opportunity to also implement this off-chain uh, layer privacy layer I'm really curious what audience
2: are you going after first like are you going to large dapps and you're trying to sell this to them like what where where do you see most of your traction so far like who's most interested and kind of like what's your business strategy on getting adoption
3: so, we are mainly B2B. So, the first users are uh, companies that need, want to, to have private access and to actually uh, close the deal, a partnership with Block Wallet. They have this on chain privacy. We are bringing the off chain privacy so they can uh, distinguish uh, themselves with this end to end privacy to the users. So, wallets will be a first uh, category or uh, ideal clients for us. Uh, then we'll have, for example, decentralized exchanges because they will need to be all the time up, not going down because some outages in, in the cloud servers and so on. And uh, all wait applications that... Do you,
2: do you think you'll have better uptime? Because my gut feeling would be you'd have worse ta- worse uptime being decentralized because you could have a lot harder time managing capacity than a centralized player would be. Like, do you think you'll have better uptime? Uh,
3: yes, of course, because... Uh, for example if you couple multiples multiple resources which had for example uh 99.99 percent availability now you can have a pool where at least one has that availability so if all of them goes down you at least have this one with the same uh, let's say uh, uptime that you had before the omnia
2: Well, yeah, you would be so swamped. You would be super slow at that point. You'd be theoretically up, but practically unusable, right? Because I feel like if you were just with a centralized, like whatever you did, three clouds, Google, whatever, Azure and AWS, you'd end up with better uptime, obviously with huge problems. By the way, I love what you're doing. I'm just curious, actually, is uptime the selling point? Because it feels like you could probably accomplish better uptime with centralization. Now you wouldn't want to, but you could. So I'm curious how you differentiate two B2B players especially.
4: I would say that still privacy is the main thing. Uh, Just uh, let me interrupt a bit. So I think the privacy is is still the main selling point here. Uh, Also, the availability is important, as you have said, of course, Maybe the timing, the delays will be much higher. Higher, but you would not go down uh, at all. Let's say. But I think with the decentralized exchanges, what Christian was trying to say that their potential client, and we see them as an ideal client, is basically because we see that this issue with MAV attacks. So basically, sandwiching transactions and so on becomes like a real threat but also for the user experience of the, the users that use these decentralized exchanges. So also for them, it's important to have like these features of front-running uh, protection and so on. Please, That's
1: right, so. You're able. Are you guys able to stop sandwich attacks with this?
4: With the help of ad- other partners, of course, because you need to, to have private mempools and Flashboots, It's a great project that we started to work on. With we have progress uh, so far. We are implementing there. Let's say uh, protect protect RPCs. But we also because we plan to onboard nodes, we can go straight to let's say mining pools, uh, like big miner pools and organize with them this private mempool so that we can route transactions straight to them. So we are not solving the entire, let's say, issue ourselves. Of course, it's a bigger issue. It's a threat to the ecosystem. It cannot be solved by one single angle. You need to cooperate with multiple players. But we think we can at least put our, let's say, uh, effort into this and help the ecosystem become
1: better. So, so talking about that ecosystem... What's the what's the kind of how many nodes are you running today as your test? What's that minimum threshold that you want to meet, and and what's your you know theoretical uh, limits, or is there any limit on the number of nodes that could be run?
4: Well, I think there is no limit because you can actually organize them in uh, pools, as uh, Christian has uh, mentioned before. You can put them into by geolocation and so on. So you organize them based on latency, so that you don't have like this uh, friction with load balancing on too much servers or so on. Because there is an issue when you switch from one node to another. If you submit a transaction, uh, and the nonce is uh, computed based on the pending transaction of that node, and the load balancer decides that you switch the node to the one in, let's say, South Europe, uh, basically when you uh, pen, you poll for the nonce, you get a, a wrong one, and this might create some issues at some point. So basically, the the best idea is to make them in pools that are more dedicated either as geolocation but also for use cases. You may have applications that would require a low latency, you may have applications that require high throughput so it depends a lot of the use cases and we also try from the, get, from the data that we gather to understand better what use cases people uh, would like to let's say do. So at this point because you asked how many servers and nodes we have uh, right now so I think we have uh, servers in I can say the regions we have in uh, US. Uh, we have uh, servers in Europe, both in North and South. We also have in South Asia we, we use some at this point some uh, global let's say DNS load balancer so that we route traffic based on geolocation. And for uh, each region, we have at least I think more than a dozen uh, let's say nodes and servers for each combination of network and chain, uh, uh, blockchain and network. And the health checks that we do are more consistent uh, in terms of that we are not only checking that you have a a TCP layer connection at level four, that the server is up and that's all. We actually, for each health check, we check, we see that uh, for each combination of blockchain and network, you have at least one node that is active and responding within a certain, let's say, uh, delay. So at this point, I think the delay that we are seeing are under... 600 milliseconds or uh, 500 milliseconds Uh, sometimes you can also go through as low as 120 milliseconds which is pretty reasonable in my opinion but of course it's the beginning it's mvp we are still looking at the data and trying to better understand the the bigger picture and how you can impose those limits because if you put like two two restrictive uh, limits uh, very few will join if you put too low uh, limits uh, then a lot of trashy, let's say, nodes will join. You You will not have a good performance. So we are now still in that phase when we are adjusting. We are, uh, let's say, analyzing the data such that we can take a decision based on data and not by, let's say, bad intuition. I don't know.
2: Okay. So, yeah, I really want to back up to the, the very high-level problem here, right? So, like, I think the under few people understand that there is a... When I submit a transaction from my MetaMask, even if it's on a completely decentralized platform, if I submit from my MetaMask to Uniswap, for example, both sides decentralized, right? There currently is a very centralized component in the middle there. It's called Infura. It's like nearly all of Web3 traffic runs through them, right? It's kind of like an AWS type situation where they basically are the intermediary. So when I submit a transaction from MetaMask, it goes from MetaMask to Infura, And then from Infura to whatever, let's say Ethereum, right? So like Infura actually submits to the chain. And in that process itself, obviously your privacy is heavily compromised, right? Because Infura gets your IP, Infura gets all that other stuff. And by the way, so do the ISPs, right? I think that's a whole other interesting thing. Like people think blockchain is so private, but all this triangulation we're talking about right now can be done by ISPs as well. And so that middle piece there that these guys are building is super, super valuable because of exactly that, right? If you are actually looking for privacy on-chain, right, and you still have a few other problems, right? If you can have patterns on how you spend, et cetera, so your wallet might still be triangulated. But this certainly takes that huge middle part away where suddenly, you no, know, no, there's a decentralized infrastructure that has no incentive of getting your data, right? And that has it set up from a security perspective in layers to obfuscate that data from as many people as possible. And so is is that a fair kind of like high level description of just the kind of like the beginner version of like, hey, what is the actual problem here? And the solution. Yeah, I think you said side. it you said it perfectly. I, I fully agree with you. Awesome. Okay, cool. That's good. <laughs> At least I got that right. That's nice. <clears throat>
1: So, so uh, Christian, real quick, you were you were talking about kind of uh, a second ago, and I'd like to you know recap on 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 some of the other features and, and benefits of, of Omnia that are going to be rolled out, you know, kind of over time. Yeah, so
3: we have some something very nice prepared for for the community and for the for all the people that are using the blockchain because you need to access when you are using it and because we have this kind of aggregator of requests. All the requests uh, go through in a more decentralized or centralized way. And actually, because most of the providers charges you at per request, but allows you to have batching in each request. And most of the people now, they they aren't using any batching. They pay for each request that they are doing to to their provider. And what what we have in our roadmap it's actually because we receive all the transactions of most of transactions and we route them, we can batch them together, uh, place them in a single request to those providers, to one provider, and actually you can charge 1,000 clients and pay only for one when making their requests. Of course, you cannot charge the full price for those 1,000, but you can reduce a lot the cost for, for the people which want to access the blockchain. So this sorry, is uh, like let a-, me
2: ask a question. Okay, sorry. Do you batch the on-chain request or you batch the off-chain request? So if I like whatever, if there's a thousand payments being made, do you batch it into one single request and you way optimize the gas on-chain, or this is more of an off-chain situation?
3: No, it, it's it's an off-chain situation where you batch all the the transactions in a batch and send them to the to the node. Okay. Cool. Okay. Sorry, I
2: wasn't sure what it was perfect thanks that's still super cool so that's going to be just a huge savings on uh,
3: the infrastructure costs that a lot of dapps have yes yes because now you pay for each yeah. request that you are you are making
1: that makes sense this this provides a lot of valuable uh, resources to to web3 cuz <clears throat> you know you've you've been very clear about you know kind of the initial uh, mvp and use case of, of this technology but clearly uh, your roadmap, which which right now kind of you know is only for for middle of this year, um, but where where's this go? Where's kind of the future of this uh, going out? You know, a year or two. So
3: we we want to be an, a replacement for most of, most of the chains uh, as an access point in such a way that they can use it in a fail proof manner and they don't have this privacy thing uh, because privacy it's a, it's a more like a human right and should be embedded in any technology including blockchain doesn't matter the chain that you are using so this is our vision to empower with the privacy in each uh, chain that it's already implemented
1: i love it I'm super excited. So um, as we kind of go into uh, Web3, you guys have been around for a long time. You you certainly have a a number of projects uh, that you guys play with. What what do you think that's cool out there? What what are you guys excited about just overall when when you think of crypto and you think of everything that uh, just really is going on in this industry? So
3: I think on my end, I I love a lot the, the implication and the dedication of the people and its work in a very similar way as any blockchain works in a decentralized approach. I think this is the best thing that can be seen out there in the Web3. People are joining and putting uh, hand-to-hand to to help uh, some issues or to solve the issues around the world. And I think the best thing uh, is is this one. People working together in a decentralized way, having a consensus on, on a different thing, having different angles to see uh, each problem and actually work together to to solve it. I think this is a very cool thing to to see in the space. as, as uh,
1: just what's it like? Who who is it? What kind of people? Um, you know, how size all the yeah.
3: So things. we are like uh, I, I think for now we are uh, 70k followers and we have a Telegram group also. I think there are like 16 uh, 16 yes 16 people right there. Most of them are. Technical guys or more oriented as developers, because our main community will be uh, also developers, because they are the ones that are building the application and needs to make sure that implemented in a secure way in, in a private way also. So this is our mainly mainly target for the audience or for the community. But since we want to have an impact for more of the companies, not for let's say developers, because for example we have this. Uh, partnership with block wallet and most people that will use block wallet would don't even know that the, the, the request goes through omnia protocol and they have off-chain privacy and we actually have also this kind of uh, of people also in the community i, I would that. probably add that some of the let's
4: say uh, community members are traders uh, that maybe operate some kind of automatic trading through bots what i'm saying that is after we i tested the waters with the front running protection I discovered that a lot of the members from the community are really interested into this feature and why is that is because they are traders and because they was like uh, were uh, caught up in this thing with EMV attacks and so on so I think this also it's a big chunk of the community are traders and we use like these automated bots. But uh, I'm also willing to, to make some shout-outs here to other projects that I'm very excited about uh, in the blockchain ecosystem, let's say. So I think one of the projects that I'm really enthusiastic about is Algorand. I think they have a great team behind. Uh, I think most of them are really uh, experienced in all the cryptography. I think uh, Christian has published a paper that is based on one of, of Mikali's uh, results. In homomorphic encryption, like having uh, runtime privacy, so we have we have like this storage privacy when you encrypt data. We have uh, privacy of data in transit. What we are doing, what we have with with HTTPS and so on, but like the bigger one is having privacy when we actually compute data. So computing over encrypted data. And I know that Mikali one is one of the pioneers in that uh, subject, and his algorithm. Uh, I'm really stoked uh, about the results out there but there are also let's say cryptographers really important in that team we had like with a discussion with them so we we see that they are building this great stuff by proving let's say computations not only from layer one to layer two but also vice versa so actually enabling both ways i think this is a really cool feature that i haven't seen in any product other projects so far uh, I also uh, would like to mention here flashbots because they are bringing a lot of value in the ecosystem. It's it's already,
3: I don't know. It's it's already known. Yes, uh, it's already everybody, known. At least at least the traders they know exactly uh, what the problem they solve and what's the issue out there. But I wanted to to say to add something to your previous question because I I remember something very recently. Uh, we also attracted a lot from the from the NFT communities because uh, me and Alex and uh, another advisor from Block Wallet we discovered a huge vulnerability in MetaMask. Your funds are safe, so no worries about that. Uh, actually, we discovered that by dropping an NFT to any address, you can find out their IP address because when the mobile application MetaMask mobile application retrieves the image it goes directly to the server that holds the image because on a blockchain you have only the reference and when uh, the wallet re- uh, reads the address goes to the server retrieves uh, the image and actually expose your ip address and this not it's not the only problem uh, you can also drop like millions on nfts point to a single server and even have some kind of denial distributed denial of service attack and actually it was pretty pretty big because uh i think uh, the co-founder of metamask uh, responded and acknowledged it said sorry uh, hats down to him because he we already seen that they started to work on that to to fix it and uh yeah this is something that we discovered like uh, i think back in december we reported but we didn't see uh let's say such a good movement to, to fix it. So we, we, we step up and we thought maybe it's time to show it public to have a kind of a pressure to solve it. And it seems that it worked. So I think in a few weeks, uh, anyone will be safe with that matter.
1: Was that, is that just on the mobile application? Yeah, yeah. Or is
4: only on the, 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 only the mobile application, well. because the extension does not support collectibles, uh, at least as far as I know at this point.
1: You just you just backed up the reason why I do zero anything on chain on mobile. Okay. It's either on a computer with a, on a hard line, uh, or I just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that that thank you for that validation. You're
3: welcome. You're welcome.
1: Well, guys. I, Gotcha. So, um, I, I apologize. I'm on a different computer right now, but we do have, uh, why whales does have a token, uh, that we do distribute. And, uh, we absolutely want to give you one of those, uh, crystal whales that, that we, uh, we give you guys, uh, for taking the time and being on our show. It's been absolutely fabulous. Uh, Stefan, did you have any, uh, last questions before we let these guys No, know?
2: That was super cool. I mean, I think it's such an interesting infrastructure problem. So I'm just super psyched about seeing, and especially, I mean, it's like one of these perfect use cases, right? Where you can use the economics and the incentives of blockchain and you combine it with more of a traditional infrastructure play that like i mean it's gonna it, these type of applications i think are going to be huge especially on the privacy side i mean it's it's going to be so cool so i'm super excited to see see your progress so the, the best of luck and on crushing this is going to be it's going to be really cool to see thanks for coming by that was super cool
1: it's, it, you know, it's a game changer in more even than one ways because I think that, you know, listen, Alexander and, and Christian have really thought through a lot and they've built this based on everything that they could and visualize and everyone else. But as you know, once this thing is out in the wild, there's going to be use cases of which people. You know, nobody understood. Nobody knew, um, and so I'm really interested to see the adoption of this technology. You know, for various for various protocols, because you know there, there's a lot of valid reasons um, for for someone to want privacy. And and I think that when people hear privacy and, and obfuscation, um, you know, they immediately go to to bad actors and and reasons why someone you know would want to you know hide, you know, illegally moving your money. But as you said, privacy, just being able to say, like, I don't want to be involved in a wrench attack. I don't want to have, you know, my home address, you know, possibly, you know, uh, 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 um, showcase to the world for a variety of reasons and so really I, I i applaud you guys for standing up uh figuring this out and uh with with the backgrounds and, and brain power the between the two of you guys i am really excited to see where you guys go in the future so thank you for coming by. thank
3: you as well it was a great pleasure for us thank you it was a
4: pleasure
0: why whales was founded in 2021 by jay Steinbach passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWhales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members to be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show and your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.